Welcome to an incredible word from Pastor Marcus Dunham, Associate Pastor here at Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Southeast Texas. We're so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the word. Amen. Well, listen, guys, um, we um, are going to be in chapter 5 of 1 Thessalonians today, and we are in the, uh, we are in part seven in the last part of our series in First Thessalonians. And uh, man, I have learned a lot, and my prayer is that you have as well. And so um, we are going to be in, uh, in verse 12, going on to 28. We're, we'll, we'll skim past some of it, uh, but, um, but that's where we're going to be today in the last part and the final remarks that Paul um, has for the Thessalonian church. But as always, let me do a quick review as we have a couple of new people here. Um, I'll make it uh, very quick. Um, But uh, today, um, um, as I said, we are finishing in 1 Thessalonians, which was a letter written to the church in Thessalonica. And um, uh, for the the church in Thessalonica, it was um, a group of people who um, were in what is is in modern-day Greece, known as Thessaloniki, if you went there today, it was a city that attracted people from all different walks of life. And uh, Paul went to Thessalonica in AD 51, somewhere around there, and we find the account of him in Thessalonica in Acts chapter 17. And while he is there, the Bible says that when he arrives, he, the first things that, that what he did, which is normal for when Paul traveled to, to a new city, is he would go to the synagogue. And the Bible says that for three weeks straight, he, uh, he uh, was reasoning with some of the Jews there in the synagogue. And after some time, some of those Jews got saved. They gave their life to Jesus. And there were also some who were Gentiles, meaning that they were not Jew, who also gave their life to Jesus. And he ended up planting a church. And it was there in Thessalonica where he began to, uh, to invest into these Christians, and he began to teach them the Word of God, and uh, he, uh, he, he continued to invest into their life. And, you know, after a while, this upset some of the Jewish teachers of the law at that time. They were very jealous, and they began to cause some problems, some real big problems, and uh, began to persecute the church and Paul, so much so that Paul had to leave. He fled Thessalonica after a while because because things got so bad. And after a while, Paul was concerned for the church in Thessalonica, for the health of their church, for their physical and spiritual well-being. So he sent his trusted disciple, Timothy, to go back and to check on the church. And um, uh, Timothy's job, um, as um, uh, uh, chapter 3 tells us, that his job was to encourage and exhort the believers there. So that's what, the, that's what he did. And after some time, he came back, met up with Paul in Corinth, and he brought a report to uh, Paul. And Timothy let him know that although they were concerned about the church because of the persecution there, aside from that, they were still doing well. They were standing strong on the Word of God, and they were doing everything that, he had, that Paul had taught them to do. And this encouraged Paul. So Paul endeavored to write a letter to them, and uh, this is what we have in the first 
um, um, in the first letter to uh, the Thessalonians. So in chapter one, uh, we talked about how um, Paul he uh, is in he is encouraging and he is celebrating the Thessalonians for their faith, for their example of their faith. You know, they were standing strong under persecution so much so that the that the that the Christians in surrounding cities. You know, you know the the closest one being forty miles away were encouraged that they themselves that they watched them and thought, man, these guys in the midst of what they're going through, they are serving Jesus, and it encouraged them that if they could do it, that they that they could do it as well, and it encourages us and lets people know. You know, it, it reminds us that people are watching us, and that whenever we can walk through what we're walking through, and we can still stand on the word of God, that people will be reminded that if you can do it, they can do it as well. In chapter two, Paul is defending himself and his ministry against enemies who were accusing him of uh, of being a failure. And of course, Paul knew that these things weren't true, and so he is encouraging, or or, or he's writing uh, the Thessalonians to uh, set the record straight. And that's what he did. And he knew that all the accusations that that were made against him were nothing but um, worthless accusations. And when the devil, when he accuses us before God, you know, Jesus, he steps in on our behalf and he sets the record straight and he points to his blood. And he reminds God that whatever, whatever is said, whatever accusations are made on our behalf, they are nothing but worthless accusations. That at the end of the day, God, he is making what the devil is turning out bad, he turns it into good. In chapter 3, Paul, he uh, shares a prayer with the Thessalonians, and he uh, lets them know that he's praying for them, that they would would abound in love and that they would grow in holiness. And it reminds us that whenever we increase Jesus in our life, he's going to produce love. A love is going to abound in our life, and holiness will abound in our life when we include Jesus, if we can stay out of the way, if we can just do what he has commanded us to do and do our best to stay away, he's going to produce love and holiness in our life. And then in chapter 4, Paul, he is, uh, he is encouraging some believers who were discouraged. They were grieving as those who had no hope is what the Bible says, and because they had lost some loved ones. There were some Christians who had passed away while Paul was gone, and they were afraid, and they believed that they had missed, that they were going to miss out on the rapture when Jesus came back. But Paul encouraged and reminded them that Jesus, when he comes, he's not only coming for the living, but also for the dead. And it reminds us and encourages us that those who have gone on to be with the Lord, that not only will they get to spend eternity in heaven with Jesus, but one day we will get to see them again. That is the promise that we have in Christ. And then in chapter 5, in the last week, uh, in the first part, of chapter five, we talked about um, how Paul continued those talking points on the on the coming of the Lord, and he talked about the day of the Lord, and we 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 discussed how the day of the Lord that it is the day of salvation for God's people, but it is also the day of destruction and judgment for the unbelieving world, and He will come as a thief in the night. For those who don't know Jesus, he will come suddenly and he will come abruptly. But that is not the case for those of us who know Jesus. When he comes, we will see him on the clouds. We will hear the voice of command. We will hear uh, um, uh, the, uh, 
the sound of the trumpet, and we will be changed. We will be caught up in the air with him, and we will spend eternity in heaven with Jesus. That is our promise, but Paul says and encourages us to be ready, to not be lulled into a slumber, to not be caught up with things that are happening that so much so that we lose perspective, but let us be ready. Let us build our faith. Let us put on love and let us share with Jesus with others so that they too may be ready for when Jesus comes back. And that brings us to uh, the end of chapter five. And uh, the title of the message this morning is Final Instructions for Maturing Believers. Final Instructions for Maturing Believers. In Paul's closing remarks, we're going to see him fire out a lot of points here. But, you know, it's going to seem random, but it's not. He has a, you know, the Word of God is never random. But he is kind of just firing, kind of like rapid fire. He's just kind of tossing some things out here. And uh, he starts off between verses 12 and 21, where he is being practical, just some things, some practicalities that he wants to get across. And verses 22 through 24, he shares a prayer, his last prayer that he shares with them in this letter. And it is that God would sanctify them and that he would keep them blameless. And of course, that he for sure would do this because he is faithful. And then he shares his last petition with them, that he asked them to pray for him, to pray for him and his team, for 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 Silas, and also to pray for Timothy, to pray for us because we are continuing to do the work of God, and he encourages to make sure that they share all these things, the things that he shared with them to make sure that everybody hears the word of God. And so, but, you know, Paul, he's not 100% sure that he's going to be back. It's his hope that he would get to return back to Thessalonica. Now, of course, we know that eventually he did on his third missionary journey, that he did get a chance to go back. But here, at this time when he's writing this letter, he's not sure. So he's, it seems like he's trying to cram as much as he can here in these closing remarks. So we're going to go ahead. We're going to be in verses 14 through 18 today. So we're going to pick up there. And um, let's go ahead and read what Paul leaves with the Thessalonians here. Verse 14, he says this, We urge you, brothers to admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seeks to do what is good, or always seeks to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good and abstain abstain from every form of evil. So that's a lot that Paul says here in just these verses right here, about seven verses that he lists here. And um, as I mentioned, you know, he wasn't sure that he was coming back, so he lists as much as he can here. And, and, I, and I counted 13 different directives that he gives here in just seven verses. That's a lot. And what I found interesting is that he didn't expound on any of these things. You know, most, you know, most of the time when Paul writes something, he's going to expound on what he's talking about. 
But here in the end, he doesn't. He, he just gives these directives, and he's just kind of firing at them. And, you know, one of the things that we learn about the Thessalonians here in these five chapters is that these Christians here, they were very faithful. Whenever Paul gave them something to do in Timothy's report, he found out he did, that they did every single one of those things and more, that they were faithful. And what Paul, what, what I kind of figure here is as Paul is writing these things, he is trusting. He, he has, you know, there's a track record with the Thessalonians here that whenever he gives them something to do, that they're going to do it. He trusted that as he is giving these things, these directives, that they were going to do what Paul encouraged them to do. He could give them instructions without breaking it down. He was giving them meat. You know, there, there was a maturity that was coming and growing within them that he could expect to share some things with them knowing that they were going to make sure to follow through with it. There's a maturity that we all go through in life. Every single one of us at one point in time, it's crazy to think that we were all babies, all little babies, and somebody had to feed us, somebody had to take care of us, somebody had to provide for us. At that time, everything was about us at that time. It was all about us. It had to be. There was no other way for us to survive. But then after a while, we grew. We turned into children, and then eventually we became young adults where we thought we knew everything. You know, we thought we could do anything, you know, and then we realized, okay, maybe we still don't know everything. But then eventually, we, we mature, we grow, and we realize in life that it's not every, life is not always just about us. There is more to life than, what, than, than just me. And of course, there are times in life where it is, but there's a maturity that happens. And Paul, you know, the Thessalonians here, they had matured to the point that he knew that if he just dropped these 13 directives that he leaves here, that he knew that they were going to do the things that he wanted them to do, that he was expecting them to do. And there is a maturity that happens in our life as a believer. And, you know, these Thessalonians, again, they, when Paul wrote this letter, they were less than a year in the faith but yet they were maturing. They were still continuing to mature. And as we mature in faith, as we mature um, as believers, you know, it's, it, it has less to do with how long we've been a believer and more to do about our obedience and our trusting, our trusting in the Lord and in the Word of God and following through what it is that God has called us to do. It's being able to read between the lines and know what is right and knowing what is wrong and doing the right thing. Maturity is expected and is what we go through through life. And so here in these, in these, um, in these seven scriptures, excuse me, there are four things that I wanted to pull out, four things that I feel that as maturing Christians that Paul wanted them to do, and in turn, God, wants, God expects in our life as well, that as we mature, you know, we need more mature Christians, more mature believers. And of course, we've all come to a place in our faith where we have grown, but we are still maturing as believers. So four things that we 
four marks, four things that we see in mature Christians, things that we should apply to our life to make sure that we do as we grow and mature in the Lord. So number one is to be patient with one another. As mature believers, let us be patient with one another. Verse 14, Paul says here, we urge you, brothers, to admonish the idol. Talking about this, that word idol is a military type term. Those who fall out of the ranks, those who get out of line, that there's going to be times in our life, whether it be family, men, family members, loved ones, uh, uh, church members, friends, who in following the faith, they eventually step out. And it tells us to admonish in love, in love to speak the truth in love, not to get mad at them and, 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 and just continue to get on them, but of course, speak the truth in love, but love on them, admonish them, to encourage the faint-hearted. There are times in life that we are discouraged and Somebody encourages us. They put courage. The word encourage means to put courage in, to put courage into somebody's heart, to build them up, to lift them up, to encourage them. There's a time in life where we are to encourage. There's a time in life for us to help the weak, the weak being those who are struggling with temptation, to help them where they're at. But he says to be patient with them all. Man, patience goes a long way. You know, we can all, every one of us can be more patient with somebody in our life. I'm so thankful that somebody was patient with me. I remember driving around in my, in my green Ford Taurus, 1997 Ford Taurus, rolling around blaring, you know, rap music. Of course, it was Christian music, but nobody knew that. All they heard was a bunch of bumping, a bunch of thumping. I pull up to church and, and you know, I mean, I, I mean, I was rough around the edges, man. You know, uh, you know, I, I, I just was, you know, you know, I, man, it was funny, you know, but, you know, there were times in life, man, I, you know, that people needed to, you know, to admonish me, you know, to help me, to encourage me. And I'm so thankful that they did it in a loving way that they were patient with me. I needed patience. And I know that y'all are patient with me today. And guess what? We're patient with you. We're all patient with you. People, you know, people just need a little patience. They need some time. You know, we, we just got to, as, as we mature in the Lord, to realize that some people, they just need some time to work it through. Where they're at in their life, they're going to get it. They just need some time. And let us be the ones who are showing them patience, that are encouraging to them, that are loving on them. Thank God that Jesus was patient with us and it still is. Amen? Thank God. Thank the Lord. Let us be patient with people in our life. Amen? Number two, be thankful in all circumstances. In verse 18, Paul says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now, this is another interesting thing that I, that I, that I found here, that out of all the things that Paul said, there was a lot of things he said. And in all the things he said, it was 
being thankful and giving thanks in all circumstances that Paul says is the will of God for your life. That's interesting. That it is God's will for your life to be thankful. Now, obviously, Paul knew a little thing or two about circumstances. And so did the Thessalonians. They knew when Paul came in from Philippi into Thessalonica, he looked pretty rough. He got beat up. In fact, he got beaten. He got mollywhopped. Sorry, I, I threw out a word there. <laughs> he, you, know, he, you know, I mean, he was not looking too pretty when he strolled into Thessalonica. I mean, he had got thrown into prison, and of course he was, he was released miraculously. But coming in, I mean, they knew that this guy had been through some stuff. Okay, if Paul knew, if anybody knew, Paul knew what it was like to have good times and bad times, easy times and hard times. And he knew the importance of being thankful. Paul knew also that the Thessalonians, that they were being persecuted. They were being pulled from their families. They were being thrown in prison and in some cases even killed for their faith. These guys had been through it and he was telling them, in all circumstances, be thankful. There are times in life where it's easy to be thankful. And there are times in life where it is difficult. But there is something to be said about taking a step back and realizing that God sees the end from the beginning. And he knows things are going to be okay. He's going to work it out. He has his hands on the situation. He's got it. We can be thankful, take a step back and be thankful even when it's hard in all circumstances to take a step back and be thankful for what God has given us, for what God has done for us. Let's be thankful in all circumstances. And I don't think that it means to just be, you know, just pretend like nothing is wrong. There are difficult times that we go through. But before it gets out of hand, take a step back and realize, God, you've blessed me. God, you've been good to me. God, thank you. Thank you for your hand on my life. Let us be thankful in all circumstances as maturing believers. Number three, again, as we mature in the Lord, as we mature in our faith, number three, don't quench the Spirit. Let us not quench the Spirit. Now, I don't know about you, but quench is not a word I use in my normal vocabulary. I don't know, Pastor Robert, you might do that. You know, may, I'm sure Pastor Ron does, but, you know, quench is not something that I normally say other than when I'm reading, you know, Scripture here. But what I know is that that word quench is used in terms of putting out a fire. When, we're, when you're wanting to suppress the flames, you throw water and you attempt to quench or to suppress the flames. And here, Paul is, is, is 
using the Holy Spirit or describing the Holy Spirit as a fire in our life. That he is a unquenchable fire, or, or that, he, that, that he is a quenchable fire, excuse me. That, that, it, that if we allow him, that he will consume the things that are not of God and produce the things that are of him. That, that, that his role in our life is to guide us and lead us to, into all truth. He is our helper, but he is, a, he is a fire in our life. And Paul says that we are able to quench that fire. But, of course, we don't want to, that we should be aware as we mature in the Lord, that we should be aware of the Holy Spirit's unction in our life, that we should be aware of his leading and his guiding in our life. Paul elsewhere talks about grieving the Spirit and quenching and grieving are, are, are closely related here in this sense. And, we, you know, as we are aware of the Holy Spirit, we should also be aware of how we can quench the Spirit. We quench the Spirit when we allow sin to be readily in our life. When we harbor sin in our life, it quenches the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is trying to, to, to produce in our life. And when we harbor it, it is quenching it. It's, it's, it's throwing water. It's suppressing Him in our life. When we are making life about us all the time, that is quenching the Holy Spirit. He cannot work through us if everything is just about us. We must be careful to not allow our life to quench the flame of the Holy Spirit. But let us be aware of Him. Let us be aware of His leading. Let us be aware. You know, you know when, when we're reading the Bible many times, sometimes it's not for that moment. Many times it's for another moment where he's going to recall that into our life. When we're hearing the word of God and we're taking notes, many times it's not just for that moment. It's for another time that the Holy Spirit is going to bring it up. He's going to remind us and bring it back to our remembrance. That's what the Holy Spirit will do in our life. But we have to be aware of him, knowing that he is readily available and wanting to lead us and guide us into all truth. Let us not quench the Spirit. And then number four, as, as uh, maturing believers, let us discern every spirit. Let us be discerning as maturing believers. In verse 20, Paul says, do not despise prophecies. Now, just like today, back then there were a lot of false teachers, a lot of pro false prophets who are proclaiming a lot of things to be true and confusing some of the believers. And Paul encouraged them to watch out for these people. And so apparently they, became to, they, they came to a point where they were avoiding prophecy, where they, were, where they were almost despising it in a sense. But Paul here, he's saying, listen, don't despise the, uh, the, the gift of prophecy. Don't despise for us, don't despise the Old Testament, right? The Old Testament prophets, you know, let us not despise the Old Testament. Let us not despise the gift of prophecy in our life because the Holy Spirit, he, he still uses prophecy in our life. Let us not despise that, but let us test everything. Instead, let us test it. Let us, let us, let us listen to the Word of God. We can't just receive and just, just accept the Word of God just because someone says that it's the Word of God. But we have to test it. And we can't test it with just our biases and our opinions. We have to be careful. We have to lay down 
everything and weigh it with the word of God. You know, I remember, um, I think it was like in June, or no, it was in May. Um, I, was, uh, I was getting uh, a passport photo, getting ready for Kenya, actually. And I went into, uh, a, a, you know, to Walgreens, and um, there was a homeless man who was, uh, who was you know, asking this lady for, for some water or, or something, you know, and she felt like she was being haggled. She, she, and so she ran inside, and she was telling the manager, yeah, 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 you, know, you know, this guy is haggling me, and all he wanted was some water. So he was going to call the cops, but I told him, listen, don't worry, I'll buy him some water, you know, let me take care of it. And so I went ahead and bought some water, and once I got done, I walked out there, and before I walked out to the car, I was like, hey, man, you know, you know, I, you know, I heard you wanted some water, man. So I gave him some water, and, and there was another guy out there, and he was, I don't know what he was doing. He was like dancing or something. But, but this guy, this homeless guy, I had given him some water. And as I gave him some water, he said, oh, man, thank you so much. And all of a sudden, hey, listen, the Lord just spoke to me. He told me to tell you this. Now, listen, when anybody tells me, hey, the Lord spoke to me, I'm listening you know, to hear what they're going to say. Now, when a homeless man, <laughs> you know, I'm really going to listen to what I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, just, just, you know, weary about what he's going to say. But, of course, I left my heart open. He told me, hey, listen, the Lord just spoke to me. and He wanted me to tell you that the time has not yet come. This, you know, this is not the time yet. But when the time comes, you will know. Now, of course, he didn't know that at that time I had been praying I had been praying for a home for my family. That was on my heart. It was heavy on my heart. And it was something that I was really, you know, really believing for the Lord. And when he spoke that, immediately I knew it was the Lord. And I hid it in my heart. And I just thought, Lord, you know, it settled me. It settled me. And after that, he started talking about some crazy stuff. And, I, you know, I knew that wasn't the Lord. <laughs> he was talking all up and down the place. You know, I was like, oh, okay, hey, God bless you, man. And I prayed for him, and, and then I left. But, you know, that first part, that was the Lord. You know, Paul says here, hold fast to what is good. And I held fast to that. And he says, abstain from every evil. And I, I don't know what he was talking there. But, man, I held on to that word. And let me tell you, a month ago, man, I bought that house. And the Lord provided that house. And it came in time. But that was a word from the Lord. And I knew it. And I held on to it. And there are times when we hear the word of God. And we make sure that we receive the word. But every now and then, you know, whether we're watching something, whether somebody says something, you know, we got to listen to make sure that if it's not of the Lord that we are abstaining from, that we get rid of it, that we toss it to the side because it is not of the Lord. Let us not despise, but let us discern. Let us read between the lines. Let us weigh whatever it is that we are watching. You know, Melinda just sent me a video the other day. You know, we, you know, we just assume, of course, Disney is going to, you know, they're going to put everything that they put in front of our kids is good, right? You know, <laughs> of course, right? You know? She sent me a video of, of, of a children's show on, on Disney Junior of two male dinosaurs getting together, and they had an egg, and they were going to have a baby, and the children were like, let's help them have this baby, yay, and they're all, there's a whole adventure in making sure that these two male dinosaurs, you know, get to have their baby, and there's some nice music playing over it, and it sounds celebratory, yay, but we're like, okay, <laughs> that is not of the Lord. 
That is false. That is of the devil. And that right there, we have to read between the lines. Because the devil will make it look good. He'll make it sound good. He'll make it seem like it's for us. But we as maturing believers must discern. The Word of God is living and active, powerful, mightier than two. It's like a two-edged sword piercing between bone and marrow. The Word of God divides. It rightly divides. And when we use the Word of God, we can discern for our life and discern for our family, discern in our marriage, discern for our children. We must be discerning as maturing believers. Amen? Amen, amen. So as maturing believers, four things. Number one, let us be patient with one another. Number two, let us be thankful in all circumstances. Number three, let us not quench the spirit. And number four, let us discern every spirit. Amen. Thanks again for joining us for this dynamic message from Pastor Marcus Dunham. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastors and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.